Eighteenth Lesson Prayer in Harmony with Man's Destiny He said unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? Matthew twenty two twenty. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Genesis one twenty six. Whose is this image? Jesus foiled his enemies and settled the matter of duty in regard to the tax when they tried to trap him. The question and the principle it involves are of universal application, particularly to man himself. The image he bears decides his destiny. Bearing God's image, man belongs to God, and prayer is what he was created for. Prayer is part of the wondrous likeness he bears to his divine Creator. Prayer is the earthly likeness of the deep mystery of the fellowship of love in which the Trinity has His blessedness. The more we meditate on what prayer is and the wonderful power with God that it has, the more we feel constrained to ask who and what man is that such a place in God's plan should have been allotted to him. Sin has so degraded him that from what he is now we can form no concept of what man was meant to be. We must turn back to God's own record of man's creation to discover what God's purpose was and what He provided man with for the fulfillment of that purpose. Man's destiny appears from God's language at creation. It was to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over every beast that moves upon the earth. Genesis 1 28. All three expressions show us that man was meant to rule here on earth. As God's agent, he was to subject himself to God and keep all else in subjection to him. It was the will of God that all was to be done on earth through man. The history of the earth was to be entirely in his hands. In accordance with such a destiny was the position he was to occupy and the power at his disposal. When an earthly sovereign sends an ambassador to a distant province, he still advises as to the policy to be adopted, and that advice is acted on. That ambassador is at liberty to apply for troops and other means necessary for carrying out the policy or maintaining the dignity of the empire. If his policy is not approved of, he is recalled to make way for someone who understands his sovereign's desires. As long as he is trusted, his advice is carried out. As God's representative, man was to have ruled. All was to have been done under his will and rule. On his advice and at his request, heaven was to have bestowed its blessing on earth. His prayer was to have been the wonderful, though simple and most natural, channel in which the communication between the King in heaven and his faithful servant as Lord of this world was to have been maintained. The destinies of the world were given into the power of the wishes the will, and the prayer of man. All of this underwent a terrible change when man sinned. His fall brought all creation under the curse. With redemption, however, the beginning of a glorious restoration was seen. No sooner had God begun to form a people in Abraham from whom kings, even the great king, should come forth, than we see what power the prayer of God's faithful servant possesses to decide the destinies of those who come into contact with him. In Abraham, we see how prayer is not only the means of obtaining blessing for ourselves, but also the exercise of his royal prerogative 
to influence the destinies of men and the will of God which rules them. We never find Abraham praying for himself. His prayer for Sodom and Lot, for Abimelech and for Ishmael, prove what power a man who is God's friend has to determine the history of those around him. This had been man's destiny from the beginning. Scripture not only tells us this, but also teaches us how God could entrust man with such a high calling. It was because he had created him in his own image and in his own likeness. The external rule was not committed to him without the inner fitness. Bearing God's image in having dominion and being Lord of all had its root in the inner likeness, in his nature. There was an inner agreement and harmony between God and man, an incipient God-likeness, which made man fit for being the mediator between God and his world. Man was to be prophet and priest. He was to interpret God's will, represent nature's needs, and receive and dispense God's bounty. In bearing God's image, man could bear God's rule. He was indeed so like God and so capable of entering into God's purposes and carrying out His plans that God could trust him with the wonderful privilege of asking and obtaining what the world might need. And although sin has for a time frustrated God's plans, prayer still remains what it would have been if man had never fallen, proof of man's godlikeness, the vehicle of his communication with the infinite unseen one, and the power to hold the hand that holds the destinies of the universe. Prayer is not merely the cry of the petitioner for mercy, it is also the highest form of putting forth his will by man as he knows he is of divine origin and created for and capable of being the executor of the plans of the Eternal. What sin destroyed, grace has restored. What the first Adam lost, the second Adam has won back. In Christ, man regains his original position, and the church, abiding in Christ, inherits the promise, Ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. John 15, 7. Such a promise has reference to our position as the fruit-bearing branches of the heavenly vine, who only live for the work and glory of the Father. It is for those who abide in Him, who have forsaken self to take up their abode in Him, with His life of obedience and self-sacrifice, who have lost their life and found it in Him, and are entirely given up to the interests of the Father and His kingdom. They understand how their new creation has brought them back to their original destiny and restored God's image and likeness with the power to have dominion. They have the power to obtain and dispense the powers of heaven here on earth in their own circles. With holy boldness they make known what they will. They live as priests in God's presence and are kings who have powers of the world to come. They enter upon the fulfillment of the promise, Ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Church of the living God, your calling is higher and holier than you know. Through your members God desires to rule the world, and your prayers grant and withhold the blessings of heaven. In His elect, who are not just content to be saved, but yield themselves completely, the Father will fulfill all His glorious plans as He does through His Son. In His elect, who cry day and night unto Him, God wants to prove how wonderful man's original destiny was. 
Man was the image-bearer of God on earth, which was given into his hand. When man fell, all fell with him. The whole creation groans and travails in pain together. But now he is redeemed. The restoration of the original dignity has begun. God's purpose is that the fulfillment of his eternal purpose and the coming of his kingdom should depend on those of his people who abide in Christ and are ready to take up their position in him, their head, the great priest king. In their prayers, they are bold enough to say what they want God to do. As image bearer and representative of God on earth, redeemed man must determine the history of this earth. Man was created and has again been redeemed to pray and by his prayer to have dominion. Priesthood is the appointed link between heaven and earth, the channel of communication between the sinner and God. Such a priesthood is in the hands of the Son of God alone, insofar as it is to be the medium of communication between Creator and creature, it is also in the hands of redeemed men, the Church of God. God is seeking rulers, Luke nineteen seventeen, but not out of the ranks of angels. Fallen man must furnish him with the rulers of his universe. Human hands must wield the scepter. Human heads must wear the crown. The Rent Veil by Dr. H. Bonar. Scripture Lord, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou dost visit him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and beauty. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. O Lord, our Lord, how great is thy name in all the earth. Psalm 8, 4-6, 9 Lord God, how low sin has made man sink! And how terribly has it darkened his mind that he doesn't even know his divine destiny, to be your servant and representative. Even your people, when their eyes are opened, are so little ready to accept their calling and seek to have power with God that they may have power with men to bless them. Lord Jesus, it is in you that the Father has again crowned man with glory and honor and opened the way for us to be what he would have us be. O Lord, have mercy on your people, your heritage. Work mightily in your church, and teach your believing disciples to go forth in the power of prayer to which you have given such wonderful promises, to serve your kingdom, to have rule over the nations, and to make the name of God glorious in the earth. Amen.